a lot of what we're afraid of is really just made up in our head. And it's yeah. a lot of the time people feel just like we do, like they want to make a change too, but they're just too scared. Hi everybody, I'm Katina McHenry and welcome to Fuck Fear, the podcast about letting go of your fears so that you can live more freely. I am so excited to welcome our guest today, Ellen Torrenson, has become now a good friend of mine. <laughs> she is, uh, she has a degree in psychology and she is a life coach, a certified life coach. So welcome to the show today, Ellen. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yes, I'm so excited to have you here. So today we are talking about some of the fears that you see in your practice, the most common fears. But every episode I've, I and then I want to I want you to tell your story, but every episode I start with one question, which is what are you afraid of? What am I afraid of? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Um snakes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a definite, definite fear for me. Snakes. Yeah. Don't want anything to do with them. Yeah. Large or small, right? All varieties. Yeah. I don't even care if they're not poisonous. I don't want to see them. <laughs> mm -mm. All right. Well, let's get into our discussion. You have uh, become a life coach within the, the last year or so. And uh, you see a lot of people coming to you, a lot of adults coming to you. What are the most common things that that you see and the most common things that, that your patients or uh, clients talk to you about when it comes to fears? Um, I think the three most, there's kind of three sort of umbrellas that everything seems to fall under. And that is time, anything involving time, like wasting time, not having enough time, feeling like, you know, work is taking too much time, et cetera. Uh, the other thing is money like not wanting to waste money, feeling like they did waste too much money, feeling like they don't make enough money, all that sort of thing. And then anything involving status. So I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to embarrass myself. What are people going to think of me? All that sort of thing. Yeah. So out of those three, which one do you think has the strongest, um, it has the strongest emotion. Which one of those three displays the strongest emotion of fear? I think it's, some, it's some, between time and status. Mm -hmm. um, time, see, I, I'm going to go ahead and say time because, you know, what I hear a lot from people, I mostly work with women. I have a few male clients, but mostly I work with women. And all of my clients are working and what I hear a lot is that I don't have time to do the things that are important to me mm -hmm. and I don't know how to make more time. And that seems to be the most emotional topic of the three. Mm -hmm. So what about time scares people? Or makes them I think it's just a sense, especially of, especially with mothers is I'm not spending enough time with my kids mm -hmm. and they're growing up and you know, I, my job takes so much time. It takes away from my family and I don't have time to work out, um, time to spend with my partner, things like that. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes to money, like this is one I can totally relate to was not having enough. And I'm always afraid that I'm going to run out because I have mm -hmm. been in that place before where I have run out and it is a 
scary situation, whether you have children mm -hmm. or not, whether you're single or have a partner, I think um, I can totally relate to that. So how do you, what are some of the things you're hearing in regards to just money? Um, some of it is regret. Like I've spent so much money, like for example, like something I hear a lot about is weight loss. You know, mm. I've spent so much money on, on programs and books and gym memberships and I have nothing to show for it. Like I'm still overweight. I still can't figure this out. And there's a lot of sort of people beating themselves up for not for what they perceive as just wasting money. Mm -hmm. So how do you so it's help a lot of, you know, and weight loss is one example, but they, you know, it's a lot of times it's, I mean, there's certainly like, I wish I had more, but it's a lot of it too is like regret for what they've spent it on up until now. Huh? Wow. Well, and I guess it, it, the, the range for what you spend your money on, does it, do you think that it's, it's seasonal depending on the time of year, obviously people spend more money at Christmas time and then they spend money on different things in, at the beginning of the year and throughout the year. But do you find that, that that regret and that guilt in a way is seasonal? Um, not necessarily. I think it's more people tend to think they can, if they buy something, they'll feel better. Mm. Or if they, you know, get the bigger house or the better car or, you know, have the outfit or have the shoes or have the whatever, like there's this sense that having the thing will make them feel a certain way. And so they keep buying and buying and buying and buying, but they're never feeling the way they want to feel. Yeah. So it's more a sense, it's not necessarily seasonal. I think it more has to do with, you know, what people don't realize is that they're after a feeling and they're purchasing things, hoping to feel a certain way when they obtain these things and then it never happens. Yeah. And then they always keep buying and buying. So it's just, they just get themselves into a cycle and it just never stops. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a form of, I mean, sh shopping is a form of numbing out and buffering, just like food or drinking or anything else. Yeah. So how do you help people get to the root of those three? Is there one underlying reason for the fears that are manifest in these three things or are they each separate? Um, with, the, with the time, status, and money? Yes. I mean, I think a lot of it comes from, I mean, the thing I work on with people first is awareness because a okay. lot of it is people don't realize that, you know, I'm thinking these things, I'm hoping to have these feelings and therefore I'm behaving in the following way. I'm eating, I'm drinking, I'm shopping, I'm doing whatever. And they don't realize like how all the pieces fit together. Mm -hmm. So the first one we work on is gaining that awareness of like, why am I doing what I'm doing? What am I thinking it's going to do for me? And then once they, once they sort of know what they're working with, then we can work on changing their thinking around, you know, like for example, with time, um, I don't have enough time with my kids, but then I'll ask them, what does enough time look like to you? And they don't know. They'll say, I don't know. I've never quantified it. And so we'll work on 
you know, does an hour a day with your kids look like enough time to you? Like define what enough is so that you can truly say, I did what I, I thought was enough this day or this week. And you also talked about how fear comes up in all three of these. We talked earlier about, you know, some of the most common issues in addition to these that people have. Another one is just getting stuck in their jobs, um, marriages. I mean, I'm sure that comes up all the time. So mm -hmm. how do you see the ways that fear comes up in all of these things that you see on a regular basis? Like how does it manifest in all these yes. different parts of people's lives? Yes. Um, so with careers and jobs, I would say there, it might manifest in not asking for what they deserve, like not um, advocating for themselves at work mm -hmm. um, for fear of um, hearing no, being demoted, like political reasons, all the different things we come up with in our head for why we shouldn't advocate for ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, in relationships, um, it could look like, you know, what I hear a lot in relationships is my partner should be doing this or I shouldn't have to ask this and that sort of thing. And one of the ways I say, see fear showing up is in just letting yourself feel your emotions. Mm -hmm. um, we are trained from a young age to sit still and be quiet and behave and not cry and all the things. And so as adults, we've gotten really good at just shoving the emotions down when we feel them come up. So there's this fear of actually experiencing sadness or anything else that we perceive as negative. And what ends up happening is we suffer even more because we're resisting feeling the emotion. Whereas if we just let it go through us, we'd be relieved. Um, but I see that a lot, like fear of feeling our emotions. That's why we all eat. That's why we all drink and shop and all those things. We don't want to feel anything negative. Um, why, is that? why are we afraid of that? Why are we afraid of feeling? I think it's like we, it's, we tell ourselves a story in our head that like, if I start crying, I'm never going to stop hmm. about, you know, whatever sad thing it is, which we know is not true, or it's just going to kill me. I'm just going to hurt so bad, whatever thing it is they're dealing with. We, and we, we tell ourselves these stories and sort of work ourselves up into this fear. That if I cry, it's going to be a terrible, dangerous thing. Um, and that, I mean, that comes from our primal brains, right? Like our brains are designed to protect us and keep us safe from danger. So our brains are constantly like perceiving danger around us. So they might see 600 emails in my inbox as a tiger chasing me. I need to like go into my cave where it's safe. Um, or, you know, feeling my emotions about something sad that happened my brain is perceiving that as danger. And so it's like wants to avoid it at all costs. But really in reality, it's, you mentioned this too, it's the story we tell ourselves and reasons why totally. we are afraid of that one thing. I mean, I <laughs> there was a time where I was afraid to go to therapy because I thought, 
if I start, I may never stop because <laughs> there's a whole lot of stuff mm -hmm. <laughs> from childhood mm -hmm. until now. And so, yeah, I've like, I have been afraid of, of making that first meeting and sitting in that chair or sitting on that couch because like I said, I, yeah, I'm afraid that I, I will have to keep going. And if I, will I be able to afford to do that for like 20 sessions or whatever, right. whatever it is, 12 sessions, whatever. Right. Right. And we, it's, it's all just a story we tell ourselves in our head. I mean, a lot of things are like your perception of how something that happened to you in your life, um, your perception is all this story that we tell ourselves. There's very few actual facts in our stories. It's a lot of thoughts about what happened. And those stories that we tell ourselves hold us back from what's actually possible for us because we convince ourselves of things that aren't necessarily true. Mm -hmm. And two, I, I know I do this. I don't know about other people, but I many times decide for myself how something's going to turn out if I respond in a certain way when mm -hmm. that is not true. You can't predict the future. Right. Right. We have these, there's like, we have these assumptions, you know, that just because something happened this one way, this one time, mm -hmm. that's how it's always going to happen. So we talk ourselves into things in our head, or we have these limiting beliefs, like, um, I'm trying to give an example, like something you've been taught your whole life that isn't necessarily true. Like, not that this is, um, an example might be like, there will be a ne never be a female president. Mm -hmm. You may have been raised or, you know, someone's been raised that that's just something that's never going to happen in your lifetime. So you have this construct in your head that that's just not something that's in the realm of possibility, even though it's not true. Yeah. So how do you help your, your clients um, through each of each, each of these fears, fear of not having enough time, fear of status. Do you start from the same place or do each of those have a different set of ways to get through the fear? Um, it's, I kind of let the client guide what's most important to them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for some people, one of those is going to be more pressing than another. Mm -hmm. um, so I let them decide where they want to start. And then I ask them a series of questions um, and, you know, I don't have specific questions I ask in a specific order. I just listen to what they're telling me and I can, I can pick up pretty quickly, like that the, the words that are coming out of their mouth are based on the story that they have in their brain. But because I'm on the outside looking in, I can, I can pick the facts out of the story and challenge their assumptions about what they're perceiving. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when you, so when you kind of look overall at your whole practice and, and, and can spin out to me what the most common ones are, does that surprise you what the most common fears are among adults? No, because I've had all of them myself, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you know, I learned, you know, and when I went to get my coaching certification too, it's like, you learn that we aren't all that different. Like the human experience, we, we, we're afraid of the same things. Like it doesn't matter where you grew up or you know, what your background is, you know, there, of course we all have different things that happen in our lives, but mm -hmm. some of the basic fears are the same. Um, so I can, I completely relate to them. It doesn't surprise me when I hear them. 
people, yeah. I think people, people sometimes think, well, you know, I don't know if I can work with someone because they think that whatever is going on in their head is going to be the thing that I get confused about and don't know how to handle. Cause it's going to be the worst thing I've ever heard. It never is. Right. <laughs> I'm always like, Nope, you're not going to scare me with your, what's going on with you. It's, it's, um, again, it's like you build stuff up in your head to be so much more than it really is. Yeah. Do you have some clients who are just really have a hard time with certain fears and really have a hard time of letting go, um, of of whatever that fear is? Oh, sure. I mean, I think I have some clients, um, they, I mean, I literally have some clients where we have one session and Mm -hmm. by the time I see them again, the next week, they've made all kinds of changes and transformations. Like they blow my mind. Um, Cause sometimes it just takes like being able to say what's going on out loud to another human who can mm-hmm. kind of like pull the obstacles out of the way and show you what's going on to help be all that you need. Um, but then, uh, you know, I have some clients where it takes longer. Um, everybody's different. Yeah. It just some people pick it up right away. Some it takes longer. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about the second one you mentioned status. What, Mm -hmm. what are people's fears about status and why do certain people care so much about what others think? I mean, I think this is probably a a huge conversation because social media is such a huge part of our world today. And so many people look to social media for affirmation. So talk to me about status and, and what you see um, what, what are the fears surrounding just status? Okay. So that one I'll see, um, some examples would be like, uh, moms, like a mother thing, like I'm doing it wrong because so-and-so on social media, their life looks like a J crew catalog. And (laughs) now I'm over here with a mess in my house and all the things. And again, it's, we perceive what we see media as reality, even though a part of you knows it's not, it's like, we still have this person of like compare and despair. Like, so is doing it right and I'm doing it wrong. And I think that where that comes from is as humans, you know, from the millions of years ago, when we were in tribes and stuff, we would look to what the other people were doing to like see who could, who was like most fit to survive, to be in the, accepted into the tribe. We didn't want to accept in the people that were going to like drag the tribe down because they were sick or whatever, or slower. Um, Because, you know, we need someone to help us get food and shelter and all the things that you need when you're a cave woman. But that instinct to kind of compare to fit into the tribe is still there. Mm -hmm. Um, now of course it's, you know, comparing with someone on Instagram, which is completely different, Yeah. but, um, I see it a lot with mothers, um, because there's so much judgment. Um, I see it with, especially if you're wanting to make a big change, like a career change and, you know, what are people going to think? What are people going to say? Especially if you want to do something that pays less 
um, or is an in, in an industry that's not as to be as prestigious or upstanding. Yeah. Like what will people, if I go from being a lawyer to being an artist, what are people going to say? Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of that that happens. I mean, it happened with me. I went from, I worked in corporate for 25 years to being a life coach. I mean, I had some of those fears of like, what are all these people I worked with going to say? Yeah. Well, but, it's, know, it's it. funny. It's like, <laughs> even the way you say life coach, it's like you go, it's like, even the way that you say it, it sounds like going from corporate to that, you downplay it a little bit, depending on who it is you're talking to, you know, because right, of right. how they might perceive that, that change in career or that, you know, that lateral move or whatever, whatever it is, however you classify it. Right. Especially something like life coach, because people don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, there's a, I think there's a perception that it's like, you know, I think I've described it as like for rich hippies, you know, like <laughs> a, like woo woo rich hippie cult stuff or something, which is completely not true. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's not like you're saying you're going from corporate to a brain surgeon. You're saying, you know, I'm going from corporate to like, I don't know, weaving bracelets for a living or yeah. something. I don't know. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with that, but you know, there's, you definitely get it in your head of like, what are people going to say? What are gonna, people going to think? And a lot of times people let those fears slow them down or stop them entirely from doing what they are most passionate about. Right. 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 You know, and it's interesting um, just how that when you have that lack of confidence because of the fear, how it changes the way you communicate and, mm -hmm. and, and depending on who it is that you're communicating with, how it changes just your whole demeanor, your body language and everything. It's, it's really an interesting thing to watch somebody who is not confident in what they're doing, describe to somebody else or, or answer those tough questions about, you know, why you're doing something or, why are you thinking about making a change? And so it, you know, it always is interesting to me how in that way, fear just cripples you in so many aspects of your life. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. And, um, and what's most, what's, what I've found most interesting is these fears that we have. I mean, First of all, what, one of the things I have my clients do is be like, okay, what if that actually happened? Like, how bad would that actually be if you posted your new career on LinkedIn and someone who used to work with you 10 years ago laughed about it? Like, how bad is that really? Is that going to really keep you from doing the thing that you love? And it's like, once they walk through it, they're like, oh yeah, I guess it's not that bad. But the other thing I found that was most surprising was when I started posting this stuff on LinkedIn and everywhere else that I'm a life coach, I had people come out of the woodworks from like 20 years ago, all like telling me they wish they could like change their career, but they've been too afraid oh. and like complimenting me on doing this and everything. So it's like a lot of what we're afraid of is really just made up in our head. And it's yeah. a lot of the time people feel just like we do, like they want to make a change too, but they're just too scared and they just don't do it. And they're like kind of amazed that you actually have the guts to do it. Yeah. And it's like, you're also seen as brave. 
And it's mm-hmm. like, people just, I mean, the podcast is called fuck fear. So you just say like, fuck it, just do it. <laughs> you know, it's like, exactly. you only live one life. And I know why not try something that you really are excited about who the fuck cares what people think it just why well and it's I I I can tell you like when you actually get to a place where you actually don't give a fuck it's the best feeling ever right like it's and it takes a little time to get there but it's like it is it is like you're so unburdened when you're like right yeah whatever I don't care what he thinks right I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do and I truly understand now, like I remember I watched Oprah at four o'clock back in the day, every <laughs> afternoon, you know, I'd recorded it on my VCR yep. and <laughs> I mean, I'm feeling real Those old. Of you who don't know what stuff. a VCR is, it's this little machine. It has a tape <laughs> and you stick the tape in the machine and it also records onto the tape you stick in the machine. <laughs> a video, I don't even remember what it stands for. Video something. Video cassette recorder. Okay. Yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, I remember Oprah and her guests talking about like, live your passion and find your passion and it'll never feel like work. And I always was like, well, that's bullshit. That's not true. That doesn't happen. And who does that? That's not real. I don't know what my passion is. How am I supposed to figure this out? But now that I actually have figured it out with the help of a coach, I might add, (laughs) I do know what they mean. Because when I am coaching and I'm, you know, meeting with my clients and stuff, I'm like so invigorated and I enjoy it so much that it doesn't feel like work. And I almost feel like I'm cheating. I'm like, is, am I, is this really true that it's this enjoyable all day? I'm not used to that at all, Yeah, but it's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's real. I can, I can promise you, you can do it. Like whoever's listening to this whatever it is that you like, you can figure it out and you can not give a fuck what people think too. (laughs) If you're just joining us, we are talking to Austin-based life coach, Ellen Torrenson. And we've been talking about some of the the most common fears that she sees uh, in her clients. I would love for you now, Ellen, to tell me a little bit about just your transition. So you've been a life coach for a little over a year. You were in corporate. And you didn't come to this by choice. It, you kind of were forced into making a decision and a life change for yourself. So tell me about your evolution. Okay. So I went to the University of Texas at Austin and I got a degree in psychology. And at the time I, you know, I thought I was gonna be a family therapist which would have required at least a master's degree. I was looking at maybe even getting a PhD I even wanted to be an FBI profiler at once, but anyway, <laughs> by the time I graduated, all my friends were getting jobs and making money. And that's what I wanted to do too. So I told myself, I'm just going to take some time off and go work for a little while. And then 25 years later, I was still doing that. I never went back to, you know, get my advanced degrees. And I got to a point where I was just like, I was like, I'm good at my job, but I don't enjoy this at all. Um, and I was like, at the time, I forget, I was mid forties. And I was like, I got like 20 years to go. I cannot do this for 20 more years. I got to figure something out. And what and was your job? What were you doing? 
So I worked in the semiconductor industry. I did um, marketing, operations, project management, event management, all of the above. Gotcha. I did a lot of spreadsheets, <laughs> a lot of spreadsheet time. Um, but, you know, I was doing all the things like working all the hours and being available whenever my boss needed me, all the, all the things that we do, right? And I was like, I can't do this for 20 more years. I can't. And so, but, it, you know, but I waited, I hesitated because I was making good money. And also what would people think? So finally I hired a career coach and she helped me figure out sort of, you know, what it is that I do love about my current job. What do I feel like is missing? What skills do I feel like I want to work on? You know, all the things that we go through when we work with a coach and it kept coming back to saying that I should be a coach. And I kept saying, well, that can't be right. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's not right. Cause that's not, you know, that's just like a fluffy job or something. Like I was poo-pooing it just like anyone else would, I uh -huh. guess. And I was like, no, that can't be it. But it kept, like, I swear, I kept, like, things kept showing up. Like, I'd be working with my employees, and I'd get complimented on, like, how good I was at coaching my employees. And I'd be like, how interesting that they said that. Huh, yeah. Hmm. You know, so it was like, things just kept coming up for, to where I, finally I was like, okay, I think I need to just do this. So I um, enrolled in a coaching certification program, and I started attending those um we had some in-person classes and as well as there's a lot of hours you have to practice. And I started that towards in 2019 in the fall, I would say. And then I got laid off in December of 2019, early December. And mind you, I had never been laid off in my life and I had survived many, many rounds of layoffs. So I think in my head, I thought it wouldn't happen to me until it did. Mm -hmm. So I got laid off and well, let's back up. Let's talk about that because it's not just like, oh, I got laid off and I went on to something else. I mean, that, <laughs> yeah, that was like no big deal. You no, know, and it happened at Christmas time. Oh, yeah. Well, like, well, yeah, it sucked. Yeah. It, it, was, it was hard. I mean, it was, you know, I was mad. I was mad about it. Um, but I also was kind of like, it was a weird mixture of like being relieved, but also being pissed. Right. Well, um, why were you pissed? Probably because I didn't get to do it first. Uh-huh. Because I was going to do it. And once I finished my um, coaching certification, um, but then I'm like, okay, but just like with the story we tell ourselves, right? Like I was like, okay, what if I tell a different story about this? I'm like, here are all the reasons why this really worked out well for me. If I'd have been the one to quit, I would have gotten severance right? Like yeah. this helped me get started in my business because I had the severance and the unemployment to get me started. Um, then who knew we'd be going into a pandemic? Yeah, That really wasn't on my radar. I don't think it was on anybody's radar. Um, but it was like, it kind of all worked out really well, the timing of it, because I had the severance to kind of get me started. I was already going to be at home anyway. And everything I do is through Zoom. So it's, I do it from here anyway. Um, but it was, it was, you know, it was hard of course at first, but honestly, I think that in the end, it really helped me because it kind of gave me the push to really take the 
risk of starting a business on my own. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I had stayed in corporate, like I called it the velvet rut. It's like, you're in this rut and you know, you're in this rut, but it's really comfortable in there. Yeah. <laughs> like right. your, rut, your rut is real plush um, with the benefits and the money and all the things, you know, I probably would have talked myself out of it for a lot longer than I did. Yeah. So it ended up working about out. The ex- what do you think, um, scared you about the whole experience? I mean, obviously you weren't expecting it. You didn't know it was going to come down. And you even told me like the day before or the weekend before it happened, you were at a Christmas party and your boss was behaving very strange and you didn't know what was going on. Yeah. yeah. So our company had our annual holiday party. The I think it was Saturday before. And at the party, my boss was kind of avoiding me mm-hmm. and it was odd. I was just, I mean, I don't know. I didn't think too much. I thought it was odd, but I wasn't like, I don't know, thinking heavily about it. And, but then of course on Monday I got laid off. So it all made sense at that point. Of course. Yeah. So in that moment you were, I guess, called into the office and told Mm -hmm. what was going to happen. What do you think your first emotion was? And then what about that made you afraid? Um, I wasn't afraid in the moment. I was just mad. <laughs> yeah. The fear didn't come till later. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think I was really fearful about, I think it was more, I knew in my heart that I couldn't go back to doing another corporate job. The fear was like, oh shit, I have to get serious now. And yeah. I have to actually figure out how to be an entrepreneur and figure out how to like, market and sell my sell my services and how to set up an LLC and set up my taxes and you know all the things that come with being a business owner that I'd never done before it was more the fear of all the unknown of that Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so when you see the same thing happen with your with your clients I mean obviously you have a, a a relatable story but how is how easy is it for others to have the fear, let it manifest itself and get through it and get to the other side. How easy you saying how easy is that? Yes. How, I mean, it's probably easier for people like you and me because we're mentally strong, (laughs) but (laughs) yes, but those who are not and go through the same experience that you did, Mm -hmm. how easy for, how easy is it for them to get through the fear and grab their ball, so to speak? And just do the thing. <laughs> well, here's the thing. It's like, I think it's not, the, it's not going to be easy. And, mm-hmm. but that's not a bad thing. Like people think that it, like being difficult is bad or mm-hmm. discomfort is bad. And that's just simply not true. I mean, the discomfort is where the magic happens, right? You know, being uncomfortable is how you grow, like staying comfortable and status quo means you're kind of like staying standing still um the way that you you know lose weight and the way that you start a business and the way you find the relationship or end the relationship or all these things to get you to like that next place is you go through some stuff that's not comfortable like with eating you have to like maybe not give in to every single urge you have at 4 p.m you know all the like you have to be uncomfortable a little bit and just like let yourself have an urge and not act on it. Um, with starting a business and all the things, it's like, it's, I mean, I definitely had 
you know, I had typical, I think probably typical like discomfort of like, I don't know what I'm doing and I got to figure this out and I got, I need to make mistakes. And I just started, I worked with my own coach throughout it of just like, I'm going to, I'm going to fail like on purpose. Like I'm going to go do the thing and let it be super, super uncomfortable. And then I'm going to do it again. And then I'm going to do it again. And I'm going to let it feel like crap. And I'm going to let myself cry. And I'm going to let myself be embarrassed. And I'm going to let myself feel like I failed. And I'm going to keep going anyway. And I know that it's going to work out. And I've been right. Yeah. It's funny because it always does work out, right? On the Mm -hmm. other end. And then we look back after we've gone through that experience and look at look at the fear that we had or had and think, what was I so afraid of? Because really, yeah, it was uncomfortable. It was hard. I had to think a lot and work a little bit harder, but look at the reward. So yeah, I, what was I afraid I, of? <laughs> I almost feel like not doing the hard thing is more, it's almost more uncomfortable because you have that sort of simmering sense of like, you didn't do the hard thing that, you know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. you, like, you know, in the back of your head, I should have done this. I should have started this. All the things we tell ourselves all day long is almost worse to me than just doing the hard thing. It's like ripping off the bandaid. Right. Right. So when people want to just take the next step and they're afraid of, of the third fear that you mentioned of money, how mm-hmm. do you help somebody through that? Because I feel like there are a lot of people who want to take that next step and be entrepreneurs or just move into a different career. And, and mm-hmm. if it pays less, money is an issue. Or if they're starting out on their own, money mm-hmm. is an issue. So how do you help them through that fear if they're wanting to start something new? Well, I mean, as a coach, what I do is I help people figure out their own stuff. Like I don't necessarily tell them, okay, I need you to go, you need to go open a bank account and then you need to put this much into the savings. Like I don't tell them what to do, but I help them figure things out for themselves Mm -hmm. by like helping them remove the obstacles along the way. It's like they're driving the car, but I'm, I'm in the passenger seat navigating and like pointing out the obstacles in the road and pointing out like where they could get there faster and have it not be as difficult. Like I'm kind of helping them clear everything out of the way to get to where they want to go. So with a money thing, you know, it might be like, I will just ask them a series of questions like, well, how much, how important is that to you? You know, it might be, I mean, everybody's different, but you know, it might be that you're, you have a car payment that's really high and you live in a really expensive apartment and you do all these things. And it's like, you get down to where you're like, okay, is it more important for me to pursue my dream or to make a car payment on a BMW, you know, Mm -hmm. things like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can't like give an exact formula because everybody has a different situation. Um, But like, for example, I have a client right now who she, um, she relocated for a job and she's miserable in her job, but because she has a reload package. She has to stay with the company a certain period of time or else she has to pay all this money back. And because of the way things are at the company, there, there aren't going to be any kind of promotions or raises. So she was like, how am I going to get money? How am I going to figure these things out? And I kid you not, she blew me away from one session. She went 
from that visit, from that appointment to the one we had last week, she refinanced her house and like paid off a bunch of stuff. She reconnected with a recruiter and now has a line on another job that I swear to you play literally pays double. Oh my like, gosh. She just, it's like, and she told me, she literally said to me, it all started because I reached out to you. And it's like, cause I, I just helped her kind of like clear everything out of the way and see exactly what was getting in her way. And she like took off and ran with it. I literally had chills. I was like, are you kidding me right now? (laughs) What? But yeah, it's like, she finally just, she's like, okay, I can, I can figure out ways to get money that don't involve me having to get a raise in my job. That's not the only source of money. Yeah. And she figured it out. Wow. Well, that's a great story to end this episode with, because my last question was, when you see what happens when somebody lets go of fear, what change and what are the benefits that you see that happen to people when they are able to let go and live? I mean, just like the lady you just talked about, live more freely. Oh, it's, it is, I am like, I, I am not a total woo person, but I, it's like the universe delivers. Like I have had clients where they were miserable in their job, miserable, miserable. They do the work that I tell them to do. Like, cause I give people homework about like challenging your own assumptions about things and getting out of your own way. Like I had another client where this was, she was miserable every week. She'd talk about her dumpster fire of a job. That's how she talked about it. And Then one week she's like, I'm going to do what Ellen says and do my homework. And I swear to you the next week, a recruiter called her about like a perfect job for her. Wow. Like just get out of your own way and like, like stop clinging to your pain and clinging to having Mm -hmm. to be right about how much the world has done you wrong and things will open up for you. I promise. Yeah. I love that. Stop clinging to your pain. Oh my Mm -hmm. gosh. It's like people want to cling to it to like, they want to be validated for how much they've been fucked over. Right. And it's like, you're just hurting yourself more by doing that. Yeah. And it's the reason for staying upset about whatever it is. So they have something to complain about. Yep. Oh my gosh. Well, that'll be another episode about narcissists <laughs> and how much yes. they cling to the pain and how they have to like, you know, project that onto others and they hold on to shit from like 10 years ago. Oh mm-hmm. my God. And it's their own fears that they are just holding on to. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's going to be a good one. Well, thank you so much. This has been so fantastic. Um, it's so funny. I'm, I'm looking at my phone and our, our mutual friend is calling me. <laughs> Oh, really? The universe. the universe is telling us something. Yes. Yes, exactly. That's funny. <laughs> well, we have been talking today with Austin based certified life coach, Ellen Torrenson. Thank you so much for this. This has been so fantastic. It's been such a good talk with you and um, I, she's going to be back you guys for another few episodes. So make sure you t- stay tuned to uh, other, co- uh, other upcoming episodes with Helen Torrenson for today. This has been Fuck Fear, letting go of the fear that keeps you from living more freely. We've been talking about the most common fears that she sees in her practice and how we're going to end it today is with one phrase. Stop holding on to your pain. 
Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time on Fuck Fear.